is now the time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So my wife, uh, Karen, there, uh, my wife Karen and I have a variety of investments for our retirement, as I'm sure many of you probably do. Uh, as a professor, she has the Teachers Insurance and, and Annuity Association, the TIAA, and as an Episcopal priest, I have a pension with the Episcopal Church, which is becoming an increasingly rare thing to have a pension. I can live forever. <laughs> on half of what I make, apparently. So. I've also got an annuity that I started when I was a Baptist minister. And then along the line, we have made some other investments into some other mutual funds. Uh, one that is sometimes called an SRI, which stands for Socially Responsible Investing. Uh, it invests in companies that are committed to offering a fair wage, uh, working conditions, good working conditions for their employees, as well as uh, voluntarily setting themselves to a higher standard in the way that they care for the environment and the way their business affects the environment. Uh, we have joked over the years, as we look at the returns on those investments, that SRIs don't seem to perform as well as the other investments. Now, we assume that all of our investments, to some degree, are cross-invested in all manner of companies, you know, partial ownership and the like. And so to have concerns and standards for these things, you know, sort of, you know, you're not, no one is exempt or untouched for what might be seen or identified as an unethical investment. It's all a matter of degrees. I always say that we ought to be investing in high field, uh, high yield funds like tobacco, guns, alcohol, drugs, the military-industrial complex. Is that funny? I don't think it is. Now, before you think I'm going to bring down the moral hammer on the congregation, think again. I am quite sure that the mutual funds that Karen and I will benefit from are at least cross-invested, as I mentioned, on every conceivable level. You know, socially responsible behavior, right, on every level. And as we all know, it's easier just to not think about these things. With much knowledge comes much grief. Before Jesus ascends, his disciples have one last question. Lord, are you at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Make no mistake, this is a political question. It's a social question. It's a cultural question. It's an e economic question. That embedded in this question they're asking Jesus before he leaves, they're, they're wondering about all of these things and the intersection that they all have to their lives. And it had everything to do with their expectations for what Jesus would accomplish when he when he came as Messiah, the healing, this surprised them. Rabbis didn't typically open up healing clinics, but they loved, they grew to love his healing. 
His preaching and teaching, they had never heard anything like it. You have heard it said, but I say to you, right? He was challenging. He was reforming. His seemingly willingness to go to the cross without resistance and it serving as a final atonement for all sins across human time and history. This took a long time for them to understand this, but eventually they came to understand what he was doing and this act this dark act of love. The inclusion of the outcast, this also for them took some getting used to, but eventually they began to catch on to what Jesus was doing. He was expanding access to God for anybody, regardless of their culture. The inclusion of people outside the culture of Abraham and Sarah, this too stretched them. It would take them decades to understand this. In fact, I think part of the reason that God seemed to force Paul into the game, the call of St. Paul, was to help them understand this important piece. 1,500 years of cultural insularity. How do you change the way that you think about that? It's a big boat with a small rudder. It takes a lot to turn it around. And so they embraced all of these aspects about Jesus, but when they have the sense that he's getting ready to ascend, and you see our beautiful window of ascension here, which, depending on where you're at spiritually, either looks like Jesus is looking heavenward or he's rolling his eyes at you. <laughs> the very first time I met Dean Churchwell, when she was here and looking, she came into this room and she made that same joke, and I said, we are going to be friends. That's definitely <laughs> be friends. But before this happens, they ask Jesus, is now the time? Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It was not an unreasonable question. The prophets had been raising expectations for hundreds of years. When will God come and make everything right again? When will God come and establish fairness and justice and responsibility into culture and society? When will God finally come and act as that benevolent dictator that surely the form of government in heaven will be? Right. If you don't agree with that, talk to me about that after church. I want to know what you really think happens in heaven. And I say that because it seems like we can't seem to make it happen. And so I too ask the question, when? Now, we can envision the world through a variety of lenses, but let me give you three that are, have been rooted in Christian tradition that sort of help us do some thinking about this, this tension that I've raised for us. Uh, the first one is seeing the world as it is. For anybody who's read the Bible, most people revere the Bible, they don't read it. Um, but if you read the Bible, or church history for that matter, we practice a faith that is rooted in real life, the good and the ugly. The scriptures do not spin its history. And in fact, the scriptures spend over one-third of its time being self-critical. In that sense, our story one is rooted in the way things actually are. Secondly, you can look at the world the way that you hope it will be. This is the first real step toward a day-to-day -day practical spirituality. Can you describe for each other the way that you hope and wish the world was? I bet you can. The, 
What should the teachings or the rules be that we could create and cultivate a life well lived for ourselves and for everybody? Rob Bell, the author of many books, but one book in particular called Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who lives. In his book, he reminds us that the prophets lined out for us the things that needed to be eradicated, eliminated from the world for it to look the way God intended. And they call this in Hebrew, the olam haba. You may have heard of the term tikkun olam, which means the tearing of the world. This is sort of the opposite of that, olam haba, the world that is to come. The things that need to be eradicated, war, assault of all kinds, greed, greed, injustice, violence, pride, division, exploitation of all kinds. A day when God steps in and says enough and anything that threatens that peace and harmony that God intends for the world is eliminated. The juxtaposition holds well. Rob Bell says that Jesus' teachings are about pursuing that life of heaven right now in our lives. It's not about waiting for God to fix it. It's about starting to do the work now to fix it. And what that means for us practically are things like benevolent business where profit is absolutely a part of your business. How could it not be? But it can't be the only thing that you care about when you run a business. Redemptive art, law that is fair and honorable, sustainable living, medicine that heals, education that gives strength to people, creating healthy homes, Things as simple even as tending a garden so that you can understand deeply what it means to eat the food that you eat. Things like this are sacred tasks to be done in partnership with God for God's intention of the world. Again, Rob Bell, he says, what you believe about the future should shape and inform the way that you live today. Which leads us to the third way of seeing the world. The world as it is the world as it ought to be, and the world as it will be. There's names for this in Christian theology, and I don't really care for these names, and you'll maybe hear why. The church penitent, the church militant, you know, fighting the the war for these things, and the church triumphant. Lord, is now the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel. And Jesus' answer to them is he says, it's not time yet. It's not time for for me to know, only God knows. But I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and the the Holy Spirit, uh, a a form of God that's accessible to you in every moment, in every intricacy. I'm going to give this to you. And you will be the witnesses to the Olam Chabah. In the city where you live, Uh, In the region that you live, uh, in that region over there where nobody likes to go, southeastern Oklahoma, and across the globe, you'll be my witnesses, and you'll be given power. St. Paul's folks, that means us too. Holy Spirit power to inform the way that we shape our lives on a daily level, to take those high ideals of the way the world ought to be and find ways to apply them practically in our lives. Take the words of the Apostle Peter that we read this morning when he says, don't be surprised 
Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening. Rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings. Is now the time? No. And yes. No. And yes. The now and the not yet is how it sometimes is framed. When Jesus had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going, they were gazing up towards heaven and suddenly there were two men standing among them and they said, people of Galilee, St. Paul's people, why are you staring at the heavens? Bring your eyes down here. Maybe our retirement investments, Karen, are sort of the similitude of our spiritual journey. The world as it is, the world as we hope it will be, and yes, one day, the world as it will be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.